following podcast contains spoilers and words like fuck and Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We Watched a Thing. It's your boys, B Dizzle and Toph. How you doing, buddy? Just going to keep calling yourself that, are you? Yeah, I am. It's not stopping. Just hop on the train, man. Hop on the B Diz train. Just try it out. Try it out. No. Yeah, come on. I won't do it. <laughs> Have you ever tried to give yourself a nickname? No, because you can't do that. You can. You can. You can't do it. Oh, come on. Have some joy, mate. <laughs> what are we talking about this week, buddy? Um, we're talking about a movie called Bombshell. Wait, wait, wait. We're talking about a movie? <laughs> Try and get on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Bombshell, 2019 American biographical drama film directed by Jay Roach and written by Charles Randolph. The film stars Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman and Margot Robbie. And Connie Britton. Yeah, Connie Britton popped yeah. up. You gotta love Connie Britton. Friday Night Lights, represent. And John Lithgow. We should probably mention John Lithgow too. Yes, as Arch Creeper, Roger Ailes. Yes. What's it about, Tove? It's about Roger Ailes being a massive creep and people saying such. Yeah. Can I ask, did you know anything about this? Tr- I mean, because, I mean, we're in Australia. Fox isn't really a thing here. We don't have Fox News. We don't watch Fox News. You can, well, like, if you've got pay television, yeah, it's there. Yeah, but it's not like- I, d- I don't think- it's not an institution I here. I don't like, know anyone who watches Yeah, it. it's not an institution here like it is in the States. Did you know anything about this story? Were you familiar with any of the characters? Like, I, I remember when Roger Ailes got the sack. That was about it. Yeah. Like, I didn't know who Gretchen Carlson was. Okay. But, yes, I was aware that it happened. I just didn't know any details, really, other than dirty old creep is a dirty old creep. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's the narrative everywhere, isn't it? That's- <laughs> so, let's get into it then. What did you think? It's a funny movie going into because I struggle to think of another film in recent times that people whose opinions I respect were so divided on. Your own, yeah. Um, I, like a lot of people just not into this film at all. A lot of people really liked it. And normally, you know, when you know who are saying these things, you're like, okay, I, I've got an inkling where I'm going to land on it. But with this film, it was just- It was all over the shop yeah. as to who liked it and who didn't. So, I was like, I have no idea how this film's going to work for me. Yeah. Um, I thought it would be better. Okay. I liked it a hell of a lot. And to be honest, I don't understand the polarization the film has caused. I don't understand how somebody could watch this film and hate it to the level that certain people do. I could I could totally understand people who think it's middling. I think that's a totally fair kind of assessment of the film. Uh, I actually really, really, really enjoyed the film a lot more than I was expecting to. And maybe it's because I had heard such mixed things. I thought it wasn't going to be great, but I really loved it. And a lot of the, a lot of the troubles that well, certainly from what I've heard, a lot of the troubles people have with the film, and for us, this isn't this isn't going to land the same for us because we don't have that visibility of these people in our everyday lives like an American audience does. Mm. A lot of people, from what I understand, really struggled with Megyn Kelly being the hero of the film. Oh, really? Because they're like, she's an awful person. Really? Okay. Yeah. See, I know nothing of that. I know that Fox News is- 
I mean, they're not meant to be the most impartial network. Mate, they're fair and balanced. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's that, which is why it was surprising that the film opens with a lot of uh, kind of anti-Trump stuff from Fox, which is not my understanding of the Fox network. So, that was surprising to me. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So, coming into the film, like, with what I'd heard about it, um, my my worry, I guess, was that people were- we're not giving the character of Kelly in the film the chance to be a sympathetic character. They're just like, no, nah, I don't like her. It's I- I'm not on board. But and then you're like, okay, yeah, but if we're looking at a cri- a really creepy crime being yeah. perpetrated against her, like we don't, we can't just sympathize, or we shouldn't mm. just sympathize with people who we agree with. Yeah, and I and I'd also heard, you know, it does show it does show the side of her that. That the left hates. Um, not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. <laughs> um, she's she's very she's a very sympathetic character in this film for sure, and also is like a a mad defender of of journalism, which you know I don't feel is probably rife at Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think that the film necessarily. Uh, like yes, okay. I guess she is maybe played as a hero. Although I wouldn't say that she is the hero of the story. I wouldn't say that this film particularly has a hero. Even Gretchen Carlson, who you know kicks off this whole "let's out this fucker," I I think it's pretty clear that she's not necessarily doing it for completely unselfish reasons, and that comes across in the film. As the same with Megan Kelly, like there's a lot of really nice themes coming through here about how we can give more support to victims. And I think that comes through that, you know, later on when they ask her, were there any consequences? And she's like, well, there's 24 names there. That's the consequence of me not speaking out earlier. I think it's definitely saying that she could have and should have done something far earlier in the piece. In credit to the film, I'm not like watching the movie. I was never angry at her for not having done anything earlier because it shows us through Margot Robbie's character, yes. who is not unlike everyone else, is not a real person. She's like an amalgam of other stories. Yeah. Um, when we think back to, okay, there, once upon a time, Megan Kelly was, was this person. Yeah. And the power dynamic is so out, <laughs> out of kilter that yeah. it's unreasonable to expect that she just said something straight away. Exactly. And the movie, to yeah. its credit, I think did a good job of showing that. I agree. I, I, think, I think it actually does a really nice job of roundly showing- all of that stuff. One critique I've heard is that it's kind of like the green book of sexual harassment movies. I don't understand that criticism because to me, I think it shows a pretty well-rounded scope of it. And another criticism I've heard is that it's very Fox-centered and it, it doesn't touch on, well, this happens everywhere. I kind of disagree with that as well. I think, I mean, obviously the movie is about something that happened at Fox News, <laughs> but I, I don't think it's saying- this happens here. I think it's just showing a portrait of what this crime is like. Can we talk about the acting straight off? Sure. So, the film only got three nominations. It was Charlize Theron for lead, Margot Robbie for supporting, and makeup. Didn't get anything else, which I know the buzz for a while was that it was, you know, I I can see pretty clearly how this could be best picture material. I also understand how it didn't get nominated. What are your thoughts on those nominations and the actors in the film? Um, I think the performances are roundly very strong. They're insanely um, good. We were 
watching it at home because I I failed as a fan of cinema today. Um, I was I woke up a little rough <laughs> from the function I was at last night. Uh, had been intending to get to a ten a.m. session at Dendi as is my norm. I wasn't getting out of the house. <laughs> Didn't happen. So I I watched this through less than honourable means. Uh, your shame. <laughs> so watching at home as we were. I, however, did get to Dendi. Thank you, Dendi. <laughs> we like we had the chance to converse a little bit as the yeah. movie was going, and we were a little bit into the film. Yeah. When my other half says, "Is that Charlie Theron?" Yeah, she wasn't she incredible. That was such a transformation. Her like, voice and Kelly. everything. It's I mean, Megan Kelly. I had to look up because, as as I said earlier, I'm not familiar with Fox News. I had to look up Megan Kelly afterwards, and by God, that's an amazing performance. But I think the strongest performance in the film is clearly Margot Robbie, and I'm a supporter of. Just about all of the supporting actress nominations this year, like Dern was incredible in Marriage Story. She was incredible in everything she did this year. Scarlett Johansson in Jojo. But I have to be honest, if I was a voting member of the Academy, I'd be voting Margot because she was fucking amazing in this film. In the scene, her first scene in Roger Ailes' office. Yeah. And it is- It's really uncomfortable uncomfortable. viewing. And you're sitting there going- is it the way that it's directed? Is it the way that it's written? And yeah, of course it is. It's it's mostly because of Margot Robbie's eyes. You can see how uncomfortable she is with what's happening and how it's horrific. Like as a father of daughters, it makes you there feeling sick. It is a triumph of cinema that they can make a straight male feel absolutely disgusted watching Margot Robbie show her legs like that. The day before um, I watched this, I watched Wolf of Wall Street again. Right. And in that, you know, Margot Robbie is very much the object of of Leonardo DiCaprio's character's desire. And it works because Margot Robbie looks like Margot Robbie. Yeah. And, in, yeah, in that scene, like um, Steve McQueen is very good at doing, and it's not to this extent, but you're begging for a cut. Yeah. You're like, cut away. Yeah, you're like, cut away. We please don't- put the clothes back on. To its credit, it doesn't. Yeah. That would be a cop-out. Yeah. To me, the one thing that kind of lets the film down is the big shortness of it all. The choice to kind of incorporate those elements of breaking the fourth wall and stuff, I don't think was necessary in this film. And it's also not consistent enough. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say either do it more yep. or not. It's like really super heavy in like the first 10, 15 minutes where you have Charlie's literally walking through the office narrating. And then aside from that, you get these weird little like the office moments like Jim looking to the camera and that's kind of it. And it's not consistent enough that it works for me. And I really wish they just hadn't done that at all and let this be its own thing because that's the biggest criticism I've seen is, you know, that this is trying to be the big short. And it kind of is, and it doesn't need it because it's a decent story, a decent script, and amazing acting on its own. It's like without without the big short, this film doesn't exist in the way that yeah. it does. You would have to think. Adam McKay has a lot to answer for. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I mean, you know, likewise with this film, we have a director who's known for comedy. You know, this is this is the guy that brought us Austin Bowers. Yeah, three times. <laughs> meet the parents. Meet the fuckers. Uh, so. I guess we're seeing more and more of it. Like, Todd Phillips is now an Oscar-nominated director for a middling film <laughs> off the back of The Hangover. Like, it's becoming more common. Jordan Peele, insanely successful mm. with Get Out and Then Us. And, like, I don't want to say- I don't know about you. I assume you're 
with me on this. You're like, we don't want to see directors just being put in one lane. No, like of if you if you're a good storyteller, by all means, like how many different lanes did Kubrick switch from? Exactly. Okay. Let's not ask everyone to be Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like if, if you can tell a story, by all means, diversify. I just I just wonder if it isn't for the success of the big short, does this movie happen in the version that we got it? Probably. And not. I suspect not. I mean, I'm a I'm a Kevin Smith apologist. And I have to say, even though a lot of people would be like, stick with comedy, Kevin, I have to say, I, I think his most recent comedy films are not that great. <laughs> like when you look at Red State, which is a horror film, I think he did a far better job at directing that than his, his most recent efforts. <laughs> yeah, you want more um, walrus or whatever? I didn't see that one. What's it's it called? actually not bad. Tusk. Tusk? I didn't mind Tusk. <laughs> <laughs> but you are a Kevin Smith apologist. I am an apologist. <laughs> Touching on the other actors in the film, uh, John Lithgow is amazing in this film. And again, I have no idea what Roger Ailes is like. I don't know whether this is a an imitation or if it's acting, but I mean, Lithgow is great in everything. Yeah, good good time to be playing Ailes. Like, didn't didn't Crow just win uh did he win an Emmy? Yes. Yes. The loudest voice in the room. I didn't even know that was a thing until I was looking up this film afterwards. Um, but I'm curious to see that now and see the differences in how that's put yeah, together. Because uh, that's a five part series. Yeah, likewise I haven't seen that. Um it is it is fun that Jay Roach, director of Austin Powers films, just brought Fat Bastard into this film along with him. If if I'm honest, I never stopped just seeing John Lithgow in a fat suit. I ne- like I just I never got past that. And maybe that's part of why I couldn't help but find the performance a bit one-dimensional. Really? I liked that it wasn't. For me, it felt like Particularly the first the first 15, 20 minutes are kind of pretty strongly just from Charlize's point of view. And at that point, I mean, obviously, we know the story. We know that Roger Ailes is a, is a creepy fucker. But they actually have quite a decent relationship. And, and as she says later in the film, you know, he accepted her rejection of sex- and still promoted her and stuff anyway. So, she kind of has this weird level of respect for him, even though she knows he's despicable. And you definitely see that in the first 15 minutes. He seems almost like a supportive, friendly boss towards her. So, I actually liked that you saw that side of his working relationships as well. And just how controlling he was of this office mm. as a whole. Did you, did you ever think elsewhere in the, in the cast, the supporting cast- did we ever think that uh, Malcolm McDowell would get the chance to play anyone more despicable than Alex from A Clockwork Orange? <laughs> Probably not. But here's Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. And he <laughs> the was- worst person. <laughs> and we get reminded that he's one of us. He's a fucking Australian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Damn I, it. I have to say, I actually, I didn't, I didn't think the Australian accents were that good. I think the Murdoch sounded more British than Australian. Well, Murdoch has a weird accent because he hasn't lived here for so long. That's true. That it is a bit all over the shop. His, you know, his sons are kind of citizens of the earth. <laughs> well, you know, they're, they're just around. When you have that much money. Yeah. They come off pretty well in the film, the sons, Lachlan and James. I have no idea if Lachlan and James are reasonable humans or not. I have no take on them at all. I mean, they're Murdochs. Can they be? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, maybe they're as good as they could be, given what they're working with. I don't know. But they can't, from, from the film, I was like, I'd hang out with James. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. I don't know if that's <laughs> okay. How, you you how, heard it here first, guys. Topher is a Murdoch family supporter. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about their Murdochs. Yeah. Um, no, I no idea. If, Why don't you go watch Fox News, mate? <laughs> well, I just leave it on at home so that the ratings don't dip. <laughs> we used to in um in the in the group house that I used to live in. Sometimes we would watch Fox News for like half an hour for as. Like, as a comedy. Yeah, okay. Like, it's- Because it's funny. Yeah. It's really funny. Let's talk about Kidman, who- She's a fellow Aussie. We love Kidman. Friend friend of the podcast. And I know that you in the past have been a huge supporter of Kidman, and you've said that you felt like she's kind of suffered from tall poppy syndrome, where people don't think she's as good as she is. We do that in this country. How did you feel about her in this film? I liked her. Um, I wouldn't say she's- She certainly doesn't steal the movie. From what I understand of a lot of the people in the film- She's much less doing a Gretchen Carlson okay. than say Charlize is with Kelly. Interesting, because I assumed she must have been because she's got that weird kind of voice going on and the the hair and the face and everything. <laughs> um, in the supporting cast, we haven't spoken about Kate McKinnon yet and her role. I loved the relationship between her and Robbie, and I thought that was a really nice touch. I Secret think- Lefty, yeah, Secret Lefty, but also showing. You know, they had really great chemistry and I think it was nice to show how Robbie thought of herself through that and also show that side that, you know, even she thought she could trust Kate McKinnon and she thought they had a nice relationship and yet she didn't feel supported at all when she said, I need to talk to you about something. That was a great thing they did with that character. It's fantastic. Because she's, you know, for, for the audience that the film is aimed at, mm. Kate McKinnon's character is, okay, this is us. In, yeah. She, she's our mole yeah. in there. And then when she's confronted with- What's going on? She fails. Yeah. She fails her friend out of fear of your position, yeah. fear of consequence. It's a very human reaction. Yeah, I thought that was a really smart part of screenwriting. On the writing, this has a really nice tight runtime, an hour 40. Do you know how rare that is for not only like films in general, but a film of this kind of scope, this kind of drama to be- like, uh, that's kind of- We're talking comedy territory to be like an hour 35 yeah. or 40. I suppose, yeah. The director's like, I don't know how to make a film. Two hours. But you know what? Fucking good on him. Because this- It it got straight to the point. It flew through what it wanted to say. It, it never lingered on too much, but I don't feel like it kind of briefly touched on too many things either. It's not like it was kind of really fast paced where you were missing things. I thought the, the pacing was really, really tight and a great piece of writing. There's points I noticed it particularly early on where I thought the film didn't trust its audience enough. We've had that that introduction that that Kelly gives us to this is this floor, this is this floor kind of thing. And then like me me minutes later, someone says something about the eighth floor and and a character says, Oh, the Murdochs. And I was like, we know. We just got told. <laughs> like, give give your audience some credit yeah. that they can keep up, movie. But that's where I think that it got caught up in the big shortness of it all, because I think that opening narration just shouldn't be there. Because we don't need her to go through every floor on the building when you can have a quick line like that later on that says, oh, the Murdochs, and you know. <laughs> but then also the good thing about it is that you don't need that line. You can just say the eighth floor. That's true. And we know. That's true. Fuck, movie. <laughs> Could have been an hour 38. <laughs> so, how are you scoring it, buddy? I'm lukewarm on it. It's not as strong a film 
as I was hoping it would be. I, look, I enjoyed it. Six out of ten. Okay. I'm an eight. I really, really, really enjoyed the crap out of this. For me, I think the acting elevates it a lot. Like I said, I think the screenplay is tight. I think its messages are clear and broad enough. Like, they're not so specific that you can't, like, see it in the context of the world, if that makes sense. I do think it's stronger than several of the Best Picture nominations. And I think in another year it might have got in, to be honest. So, yeah, I'm, I'm an eight. I'm all about it. Cool, cool. Nice. What are we getting to next week, buddy? Next week we'll be we'll be feeling good. That's right. It'll be a beautiful day around here, won't it? See what you did there. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> we'll be we'll be checking out a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Where are your expectations? I expect it to be good. I mean, this is this is the next f- film from the director that brought us Can You Ever Forgive Me, which I was a big fan of. Yep. So, I'm expecting good things. All right, cool. I'm really looking forward to chatting about that one then. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchedthing.com or wewatchedthing at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at wewatchedathing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing, and we'll catch you next week. Go watch a movie. Just point that out. Uh, do, you, do you have anything to say on that? <laughs> just, just cut it. <laughs> cut around it. You can do some magic. <laughs> it was a good point, though, wasn't it? So, should I say it again in a less offensive way? or Give it a swing. Okay. <laughs>